The Koi Gig Pod. You know, for a first World Cup, I think they've done excellently. But then you think of how close they were and what if, what if this, which is a great sign. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Just a slight tangent on, on that. <laughs> this, was a, this is far too much of a tangent. Just a brief interruption. Can I also say one more thing on this? But uh, we also need to impose some rules. Like, we can't just have 20 minute tangents over a text. Come on. That's just refusal to consider the circumstances. I'm not going to entertain that, Joe. This conversation is not a good one, I think. Do we argue much? No. We keep them inside. They're fester. (laughs) See, I thought this was a ridiculous text until I read the top three, and then I thought, you know what? I'd actually debate that with you. (laughs) It is an interesting. Sorry, it's not an interesting question, but. uh, Let's make that clear. (laughs) I love the sound of a snooker referee counting up the score. Well, here we are. Two in a row. We're back, people. We're back on a streak. A slight tangent at offtheball.com is where you can email us. Thanks for the emails. Lots of you have been in touch. To my right, we have Will O'Callaghan. Will, hello. Hello. We're here for the streaky streak. Indeed. Mick McCarthy, hello to you. Hi, Joe. I'm uh, a uh, founding member of the Arthur Wright fan club, and I shall always be. Oh, Arthur, the prof. OD, hello. Definitely not a prof. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, you're a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, mean, I keep that. calling you the prof. Doc. Yeah. Uh, Sawbones. What more would you have to do to become a professor? I don't know, but it is. It's a position rather than, I don't think you, I, I, I could be wrong. I don't think you can become, it's something you can attain yourself. You have to profess it's, it's, at some stage. I think I'd it's imagine. a position you're appointed to. Like I think it's a job else. title, yeah. Could yeah. you now apply to be a professor in a university? I'd be, I'd have a lot of work to do in between. <laughs> like what? <laughs> not, not you, straight out the gate, like from where I am. Yeah. No, not a hope. What would you have to do? <laughs> like, I mean, you'd have to work in a department for a while. I'd have to do a bit of groundwork. Like, you ah, know, no. <laughs> it's not coming straight. Sure. Like, you'll, I was you'll be amazed. Ball for five years. You'll be amazed how many people in the university. I'm trying to get doctors. rid of him, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, regards, Lorcan emailed in to say, lads, surely we should call Arthur's fans deviants. <sighs> deviants. Oh, the, there was oh, a deviants. YouTube message oh, that said, oh, deviants. Uh, yeah. Not I bad. Liked it. Yeah. Oh, what kind of organisation is it? Oh, it's grim. Bleak. <laughs> uh, we'll get going. Michael emailed in. Dear AST, he says, short time, first time. But in brackets, he says, I have three young kids, so limited time for podcasts in general. I heard snippets of a slight tangent on the radio before, but I was driving from Cork to the Mourne Mountains and back for a night on the sauce this weekend. And I listened to eight hours solid of a slight tangents. So I'm very much a devotee now. A devotee. Hey. <laughs> oh, devotee. That's a committed trip to go on the sauce, isn't it? Cork to down. The man has three kids, young kids. That sounds great, by the way. <laughs> Eight hours of podcast. He wasn't meeting anyone in the Mourne Mountains. He's just going drinking. <laughs> in the mountains. <laughs> on on <laughs> yeah. He goes on to say, you've had a theme of talking streaks <laughs> each week. We had ten in a row. Ten is like tangents in a row, and then we're back to two. It's a long um, way up from there. Yeah, too. I know. He says, uh, speaking of streaks, though, I was wondering, what is your favourite? Not necessarily greatest, he says in brackets, which is impossible to compare across sports. But what is your favourite streak in sport? I played a lot of squash growing up and the greatest legend in squash is anyone? Me neither. Could is, be and excuse me if I mispronounce the name, Yehangir Khan. He is the greatest legend in squash because he went unbeaten for five and a half years between 1981 and 1986. So uh, Michael, who's a devoted squash fan, that's his favourite streak. He signs off. Keeper lit, Michael. 
Michael will listen to our reflections on this in about another eight months <laughs> when he's driving cross country for another session. But until then, he's looking after those three kids. Favourite streak in sport? Anyone? You're looking at the wrong man there. I don't have anything. I have to say, it wasn't something where I straight away I went, ah, I know what jumps to mind. I did literally in the newsroom there uh, Google what are the greatest streaks in sport. Yeah. Just out of sheer interest. What did the internet come up with? Well, I'm on uh, Bleacher, so it's pretty American. As Open in, days, probably. They have Cal Ripken, who played 2,632 consecutive games. They have Edwin Moses, 122 consecutive 400-meter hurdle wins. My God. Uh, <laughs> Wayne Gretzky, 51 consecutive games with a point scored. I wouldn't have been aware of Gretzky um, doing that. Joe DiMaggio, 56 games with a hit. Yeah. That's the unbeatable one, isn't it? That's the one I was reading about this by pure chance, a different oh. sort of uh, different book that just featured it in it. And there was it was David Halberstam actually wrote it, and he referred to something where they were talking about all the big records in baseball. How like was it Babe Ruth's record? It's like that probably statistically will get caught. Okay. You know, someone will catch that. And there's this other one that'll get caught. And it's like that DiMaggio one is a complete outlier. It's like it just it won't. It, the, the likeliness of it happening again is so slim. Because it's just, it's so ridiculously consistent. Okay. You no, know, it's just an outrageous level of consistency. Because I remember, we, I mentioned it to you straight away and you knew it straight away. I, I probably had... Well, it says here that this is perhaps the most celebrated streak in American sports history. Yeah. It's 56 consecutive games with a hit. Number five, by the way, will never be beaten. It's a golf one. Go on. That's not a Tiger Woods one. Byron Nelson won 11 consecutive PGA Tour tournaments. That he played in. Jesus. <laughs> 11 what kind in of year is Byron Nelson? Because he's someone you know almost for the tournament yeah, name rather than anything. Uh, like, like, what's his competition like? Uh, he's way back when, and I think to be fair. or earlier? I would say 40s, 50s okay. this happened. Let me just go. Born in 1912, so. It's pre-Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas. Yeah, a lot 40s. Uh, I think they named the um, machine they used to test golf balls after Byron Nelson. Because it's just so perfectly straight. So basically, mm. just he never misses a shot. So yeah, forties, fifties. Albeit some of these tournaments were like the you know, the Kentucky Open wasn't as organised, but it was still PGA Tour in effect, and he won eleven in a row. So that'll never be beaten. I can't say I have much affection for it. Sorry, <laughs> uh, Steve Redgrave, five consecutive Olympics with a gold medal. That's bloody impressive all the same. Uh, what about this one? This might have been written over time. Lance Armstrong, seven consecutive Tour de France wins. <laughs> no, that'll never be beaten. <laughs> Jeez. I think he still has the yellow jerseys up in his house, Joe. So. Sure does. And then notables they mentioned, Martina Navratilova, six consecutive Wimbledon titles. So she won six Wimbledon singles in a row, 1982 to 1987. Inclusive. That's pretty damn good. I tell you, one of the more un- underrated ones, final point for me on this list is Tiger Woods who made 142 straight PGA Tour cuts yeah, mm, yeah. that's insane that's, <laughs> everything on Tiger Woods stats insane what should be in there is Tiger Woods winning four majors in a row can I give you yeah. one mad Tiger streak Tiger um, Tiger went something like he went the entire 97 Masters and I think either three rounds of the 98 or else all of 98 and some of 99 without a tree put at the Masters Right. That's like I I don't have I don't I can't call it a great streak because I don't have the specifics to it. But it was something silly. It was like eight or nine rounds or something like that. Well, in in some ways, it's only by where you present, say, Golf Weekly for several years, i.e., a decade plus, 
and that you know someone like Brian Harmon who won the Open does something remarkable like Brian Harmon made 56 of 57 putts inside 10 feet only two other men have done that in the game can you guess like, who the other one is always one of them 100% of the time like there's never been a so and so has done something can you guess who the other is to have done it it's outrageous it's so deep his breadth of yeah. statistical brilliance Streaks are an interesting thing. I think they are quite American, but I think their sports do lend themselves to it. So take the, the, the Maggio thing. Like, chances are that'll never be broken, but it's a great little thing to have as one of about 50 things in a baseball season that will always be there. So someone goes on a 20-game hitting streak. Yeah. Suddenly, everybody's watching their games. So say, like, Aaron Judge or someone goes on a hitting streak. He's in the 20s. Suddenly the Yankees choosing our game against Tampa Bay that ultimately kind of yeah, doesn't mean anything because no. they're playing eight games a week <clears throat> yeah. becomes this national focus and in the summer when it's only baseball there's always something going on that will make people want to watch these games and it's actually brilliant for that Those, and you know again Dwajia's one might not be something that you that is going to be hit readily but when it does it'll be the biggest thing that ever happened it'll put baseball back on the map again almost in, in America in, in terms of their their sports media so I think for that kind of reason it's good it doesn't feel like as big a part of things here though does it no and even streak isn't really it's not even a word it's not really yeah. like, we like, use unbeaten run as opposed to streak run or like I guess in GA terms it's five in a row six in a row and I guess the the Arsenal Invincible season is that that's a streak. I suppose that'd be the most famous one in sport. Oh, half a Mexico. century worth of games unbeaten is a serious achievement. Can I give you a great one? I just googled it to double check it because it popped into my head. Uh, is it's a Kildare one, so I'm biased. Mm-hmm. But Johnny Doyle's record for his club. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Johnny Doyle, he working off Wikipedia, but this is about right. Mm-hmm. He didn't miss a match for his club, a championship match league in fairness give the man a break will you but he didn't miss a championship club for his match from his debut in 1995 until 2022 <laughs> <laughs> I saw he was still playing oh. midfield in last weekend didn't he have a good reason for that it wasn't just retirement did he had an injury yeah yeah there was something though yeah 1995 to 2022 <laughs> Every championship match for his club, John Doyle. Is it so funny if you even parsed up what football in '95 looked like compared to 2022? And you're like, how does one man transcend into bo- transcend both times? I don't know. Uh, he started every championship match for his club between 2000 and 2013, and then obviously substitute appearances. But '95 to 2022, when he had an injury, I'd say he was. There's a streak. Yeah, the man to watch in every single one of those games, I would say as well. Um, I'm curious for your thoughts on all this. We had a few emails in from Manchester United fans varying degrees of disgust at what at their perceived treatment by the club like taken for a ride mm. uh, the game was misadvertised because another game suddenly pops up 24 hours before it mm-hmm. yeah etc so I'd say five or six emails in which you know on, on one topic is quite a lot all disgusted where yeah. are we and what's happened so here? for the specifics United had the game in the Viva Sunday yep. against the Bilbao. Bow that was uh, sold out obviously in no time after which there was a game announced at Old Trafford on the Saturday the day before against Lons I think wasn't it, it was one uh, yeah, one, yeah. When, when that game comes around United put out basically a first team and everyone's like oh hold on uh-oh. Who's turning up to the Aviva tomorrow? Yeah. And as it turned out, it wasn't it wasn't pathetic. It wasn't a third team or anything like that. You had a few players that were worth seeing, but you also had a few kids. 
and it'll age well that game in 10 years time that's what some people yeah. were saying yeah so uh, it sparked the usual debate like so the, the uh, first of all you have the kind of the the League of Ireland diehards and I don't want to put everybody everybody isn't in the same boat here but there is that kind of few who will say what are you doing going you'll fill out the Aviva to see your you know English team play a friendly but you won't go and see Irish football so they were kind of out in with a ha-ha kind of attitude then you had the United fans who thought that the club were really doing them a dirty and just showed that they didn't really value them and that you know you you know sold us this idea the week before the season starts that's when you can usually expect teams to put out a fairly decent level of both team and performance and then that didn't happen and then you have the other people who were just like can we just get over it like you know we knew what we're going to see here we're going to see the colours we're going to see certain players we just want to be cheering on Manchester United we don't get too many chances to go to them so I find it interesting the uh, different outlooks to it you know like personally there is a part of it that's like surely we know what's happening here with these clubs and if you're going to spend your money for a pre-season friendly there's a good chance you're going to get a pre-season friendly yeah. and not this idea of like you know the Galacticos coming it's not I do think it's, it's not Barcelona you know what I mean where Messi has to play every game I understand they, that and yeah. everybody would accept that but I think it's not great when you don't flag there's going to be a game 24 hours earlier I think I absolutely should, agree with that, that I just that's think the that bit we that's should a bit they're not great and we should kind of assume that they're not great is kind of what yeah. I mean as opposed to excusing but United in any yeah, way yeah 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 there'd be definite sense oh look this is the, the, it's probably tough for those Irish fans because there's almost um, a mirror held up to how the club itself perceive where is the game Dublin ah, crumbs and yet they love the club there, and, you know. and feel a part of the club but actually the club just don't care is the truth Aww. could you imagine if uh, somebody dared to knock on Mr Glazer's door and said there's a bit of disquiet in Dublin over the pre-season friendly Dealt with I don't worse. think Mr. Glazer <laughs> cares about the disquiet in Manchester. What about the disquiet? <laughs> why, why are you telling me? <laughs> so just, I think that's a pretty yeah. a painful moment. I the suppose. videos I saw, United got a late equaliser. I, I so, believe. Yeah. Like again, I'm surprised I even noticed. If it wasn't for the controversy, I wouldn't. But yeah. United got like a last minute equaliser. It was what all, and the place went bananas. You know, and people. I think enjoyed it even if they maybe they went in a bit pissed off like you know again you're going for the experience we know what it is at this stage there is something weird to, I I don't know I went to like Villa Leeds and like Richard Park about a hundred years ago but I've never had any desire to see the English teams coming over for the Irish preseason friendly I think it's so soulless and weird and I don't think it speaks really to your support of the club in a way that's like I would defend, you know, I would certainly defend people from a, you know, from a, like, you should be supporting your own team's perspective. Like, you know, people are real supporters of Liverpool, of Manchester United in this country, absolutely. But I just think this whole thing is a bit of a facade and I hope people recognise it as such, you know. the yeah. We'll fill out the Aviva, great. But they'll also fill out a stadium in Thailand or Hong Kong. Mm. They're a global brand, you know, and we're not any more important to them than anyone else. It was kind of been sold as a premium fixture when it was initially announced. Was it? Yeah. But I think anyone who kind of would think about it, it's a week out from the start of the Premier League season. You would always have been expecting 
I think some young players to be put into the team I think where people's hearts probably sank is when they saw Rashford and Bruno Fernandes starting on the Saturday and they saw that squad being named yeah. you realise very quickly it's unlikely they're going to play significant minutes at the Aviva and I'm sure a lot of kids who were going along with their parents probably wanted to go and watch Marcus Rashford and that's a disappointment when you see that he's playing on a Saturday game which wasn't announced until very close to the game but for the best part I think when you're buying your ticket you're going to see Manchester United as opposed to going to see a specific version of Manchester United mm. I think Arthur Got Harry Maguire's last ever game, maybe. Got food, he got food as well. <laughs> history. It's proper sneaky, though. <laughs> it's Isn't so it? deceptive. It's really sneaky. It's so deceptive. It is. I agree with you. you I think, think it's, do you, I think would it's you honestly say now, good to your head, that they knew that that Lons game was there and it was ready to go and it wasn't an addition? Like I, I, it's the chances know. are we don't know, but like don't, you don't really see it that often. Maybe I'm not. I, I don't pay close attention to preseason, but you don't see many teams playing games in back-to-back days, do you? Doesn't happen. Again, I don't. I don't, I don't think know. so. Again, I'm no. So, yeah. No preseason expert. I, I started to tune into football again today. Unless it's a new thing, and I, I think they might have mentioned Andy Mitten was on the morning on AM, and I right. think they might have mentioned they did it recently as well. Maybe last last year or something. But it. I don't know. I. I don't think they just had a whim that they're going to get lawns over from France for a friendly on a Saturday. Mm. Like I'm sure their league starts next weekend too. The France. Does, yeah. yeah. So they're not coming over. On a whim. Oh, no, not on a whim, but... Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, the Lansdowne game was sold out for a long time. <laughs> it's very sneaky. It's and I, I think the game that sold out for a long time should take precedence. Like I, it's, yeah. I thought the Wrexham one was kind of funny as well. So they were selling that as Manchester United versus Wrexham in the United States. Right. And then United played their under-23s against Wrexham. Yeah. And again, you can understand for the bigger, high-profile games in Houston and in Vegas, they were more likely to play their first team. But still, it felt a little bit weird that they didn't use any of their first team players in that game. Mm. Not that my heart doesn't bleed for any American fans who went to see, but. Yeah. What was it, Dermot Keady? I have a clear said nine, <laughs> nine years ago. He talked about a Liverpool match and said, well, he wasn't too impressed with 42,000 morons going to watch Liverpool's <laughs> reserve team. <laughs> Do you know what I love about that, Joe? Was that the League of Ireland people I mentioned at the start of this, and again, I hate saying the League of Ireland people, but you know who I'm talking about. It's, you know. <laughs> So Go much on. so. What are you talking about? You name names I'm like about the type of people that just begrudge people supporting other stuff. It's very few League of Ireland fans yeah. who are actually like that. Most actually do have dual, I would say, supporterships or so. But anyway, most people just, were just you, you pitch them in as League of Ireland people across the board. But no, I didn't. I, Broad Church. Jesus Broad Christ! Church. I, I, I <laughs> clarified my list. Clarified Some League of Ireland fans. A tiny percentage of <laughs> League of Ireland fans. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they were basically putting up Derby Keeley just like the photo. <laughs> so there was no explanation needed. Yeah. There was no. Do you remember Derby Keeley said this? It was just like, oh, and then a picture of Derby Keeley. But uh, as a final thought, now I agree with Arthur. It's seriously sneaky, and I just think it's it crystallizes the basic disdain that these clubs have for their fans around the world. The, oh, ma- yeah. the match-going fan in Manchester gets a smidgen more respect because they can be noisy and difficult Stop games. the Super League. And, I don't know, invade the pitch, protest, garner a bit more media attention. But, I mean, the fans in Dublin, mm. like, dirt on the shoe. Like, they are customers in, in the most uh, dismissed way imaginable. And I think that just crystallises it. And I'd say for fans who love the team bought the tickets in good faith very excited about it I think that it's easy to mock their upset but I think when you put so much into like your team that you support and then a mirror is held up 
yeah. to the reality of the situation I can see why that's actually quite upsetting you know especially if that's your chance like yeah, yeah not everyone can afford there's a lot really. of kids there who aren't going over to Old Trafford no, not a big time, you know, yeah. the fortune having to be so, spent on like, when you're planning your pre-season don't do that it is very simple to avoid it. Like, and it's, not, it's not like you have to bring over and play the start in 11. But it's just, it's, it's the, the, such the transparency of what we're doing here. Ah. We're going to play, the, the big boys play on the Saturday and then you get Harry and... Like, I'm surprised <laughs> Ten Hag even travel over. He did. <laughs> he did, yeah. I, was, I did yeah. look at to see, was he yeah. there though? Like, I, I actually had a check to see, was Ten Hag on the side? Oh, it was like a burn cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Paul Clark was managing uh, Man United. <laughs> Nicky Bolt in charge. Uh-huh. Now, can I ask a question, though? Uh, you're right in everything you say, and I think there'll be realisation among a lot of the people who are going there. Yeah. Now, they'd, this they'd is be, what they think. They'd be naive to only be realising it now, but there's a certain... It's but your, if it hits you in your the face, sometimes it hits yeah. you in the face. As you, you know? sit there for 90 minutes going, who are these lads? Does I that, wasn't yeah. that bad. Like, it was like Christian Eriksen was playing. Juan Bissaka was playing. Does that, or should that, change your relationship with the club in terms of the way you support them? Like, it, are we supporting... Personal decision, I suppose. Yeah, no. I could, see, it, I could it, certainly see somebody going, do you know what? This is actually silly. I'm done with them. Would that not be incredibly flippant, though, to change your club over... Uh, not change your club, but it's have it's a different might, relationship. It might just change your understanding of what you thought was a certain relationship, yeah. It'd be a bit reactive, I suppose. But if you'd been sort of one of those people... Isn't it amazing how many people you talk to now about football and they say, it, the money in it, it's just becoming less and less tangible real and so it could be like a final straw where you might sit there and go do you know what this all stinks at the same time there's plenty of Irish Man United fans who are waiting to see the guitar take over go through and try and buy big yeah, players yeah. but I, I would wonder if clubs should like just be a little bit more considerate because we're seeing a trend we've talked about it here we've talked about we've had emails about it where you know Messi's the star not Barcelona Ronaldo's the star not Real Madrid uh, you know, maybe it's Rashford at Manchester United. Who knows? But like, I do think that the trend of children at the moment and supporting football is more transient than it was when we were younger, where you couldn't change clubs. Yeah, like maybe. it was the ultimate no-no. Yeah. and I don't think that's the case. And I've had anecdotal evidence of people coming home from holiday. You know, where you see kids in football jerseys, like is it the airport and stuff like that? And it's it's. Al Nasir is that sorry I actually haven't committed memory what's the what's Cristiano's done Al Nasir and, and Inter-Miami jerseys mm. and, and you know and it, plentiful and they've sent pictures it's not one of those things that people are just like <laughs> Joe Woody's stop friends? no no I'm, I'm laughing at how ridiculous it is to think that they're going to be Al Nasir jerseys all around 100% there's I, loads uh, yeah and I believe you I believe you believe that but I'm not <laughs> where are all these jerseys coming from where would you buy them there's going to be Al Nasir jerseys shipped in no time Really? I don't think they're buying them in lifestyle, but I'm saying, I'm not talking about in Ireland at the moment, but I'm saying is that like people are seeing this like on holidays and stuff, but it's changing. Like it's, I feel absolutely is. And if United keep treating fans like shit because they don't care that it's just Ireland. They've signed him Ronaldo. I think yeah, they're, they're but just, that's so temporary. That, 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 and he'll be gone then, and that's it. Yeah, but there'll be someone else, and he might not play for Manchester United, and people aren't going to be as loyal if they keep getting like if they don't feel I valued I still think it comes down to the, the root fact of why these clubs are so wealthy is generally not the individual whatever the basis is the fact that of where, they, where they're playing and what they are mm. so like I don't think it matters too much and then you have whatever garnish but like it tends to still be the case that the most yeah. the most coveted teams are the teams that win yeah. at the end of the day like no at the end of the day it's true United are surviving a long time 
Yeah. United are still like for all for all that they've fallen off they're pursed they're still the top four team it's, it's quite fun- regularly yeah like. it's funny you know th- this um, I, I first this heard year. this at the Web Summit in 2013 this prediction that over the next decade all the kids all the indications are the kids will support the star players not the team so if Messi leaves the team then they buy yeah. the Inter Miami jersey I first heard it 10 years ago and I thought wow and like it was backed up by data and everything I'm not as sure anymore I believe that I, I don't feel I, I feel I've repeated that on air yeah and I actually I'm, I'm not as sure it's well, as again, I just people who have kids thought. older than me I hear a lot of anecdotal evidence about it and it's okay. a, that's straw man stuff and I understand that but I'm just saying I see it but I'll give you another example fair enough for now I wouldn't know what colour Alan Asir wears but I'll tell you one thing I've seen an awful lot of PSG jerseys around estates and parks yeah, and yeah, everything yeah. like that's that that's true and there's no reason to be supporting PSG and they're kind of cool and glamorous if you're a kid it is kind of like I would have like people would have grown up but, but like, you know what I mean I, I would have never been I wouldn't have cared who the clue and, well I suppose maybe I did have an people would have had Ace Milan jersey they've seen them on TV all the time yeah. come here if Tony Kelly moved to Offaly would you get an Offaly jersey we gotta go to a break you thought about it I might you know Will got excited nice yeah Will's more excited by that prospect he'd be useful in the John McDonough don't get me wrong I presume no one cares did anyone issue with the numbers on the back of the rugby jerseys speaking of jerseys the weekend I think it looked okay I that was fine I don't understand that this is rugby this shouldn't happen I was kind of with John Lennon 1 to 15 though which they did I don't like the idea of squad numbers but the names was never an issue what's wrong with that it's just a Cost a few more quid to get the it's kids together. Unbecoming of Tess Ruby, where the values of the game loom large over nah. the individual. I don't. But know. people said like the, the, that jersey doesn't belong to anyone. Yeah, but grand. But like if if Caelan Doris is <laughs> if Caelan Doris is injured, somebody else is going to wear number eight. He's not going to you know. Do you think those people don't squad understand that like whoever got there first gets the number eight forever? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jack Conan number sixty six. <laughs> I think it's fine as long as it's the match day squad for that day. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not a case of you've no, got guys coming in on usual numbers to play in a, yeah. a set number in a team I'm with Don Lennon he's like if it helps to actually attract people who maybe aren't that interested in rugby and might have more recognition of the players what difference does it make and loads of other countries are doing it at this stage as well yeah. I know Saturday everyone was this. Is, it not, is, yeah, it, is it at the World Cup oh, I don't think so is there still no sponsors on the jerseys of the World Cup no no I can't believe they're getting away with that I just can't believe you know what, the, the, well, the, the reason unions. they're getting away with it is because that's World Rugby's way of saying our sponsors are the only sponsors that count so it's not it's not anything kind of like they're not doing it because they don't think it's like becoming of the World Cup okay. it's because <laughs> they want to have you know their four key sponsors be everywhere and they, they don't want rival companies on the shirts of okay. the of the teams suddenly felt very feel very naive there <laughs> <laughs> oh there's no there's no sacrosanct uh, issue Ford going on here at all like, yeah. okay. you not prefer the jersey without a sponsor anyway I think it's one of the nice things about the World Cup Oh yeah, yeah, I do. I just said I can't believe they're getting away with it. Yeah, yeah. I like that all the unions haven't got together and said, "Here, our, pr- our primary sponsors have said this bloody World Cup. We sponsored them the other four, mm-hmm. the other what, um, thirty-four months of the cycle." Quick maths there: four twelves, forty-eight. Damn, forty-six. <laughs> Close enough. Forty-six. <laughs> forty-six. <laughs> right, ad break on that low point for me. You're welcome back. This is a slight tangent. We have Michael here. We have Will here. We have Arthur here and myself. So we're just talking there about Manchester United, who uh, dominated Twitter today for all the right reasons, because Roy Keane made an official and triumphant return to the club. He did. First thing he's done for them since 2005. Yeah. Like, big moment. Sort of. So if people haven't seen it, Arthur, how would you describe what it was? (laughs) 
God, uh, how would you describe what it was? A publicity stunt. A kit launch. I'm interested <laughs> first. Is that a thing with the club or is it with Adidas? That's the, well, it's been portrayed as being with the club, yeah. Don't know. Obviously, the club has an involvement, but I'm just wondering who it goes through because I don't know how those things work with jerseys, like who's in charge of that sort of thing. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure it wouldn't have worked if it wasn't on good terms with the club, but it's... Uh, Each party would have had a veto, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh it's a, it? it's, it's a nice jersey. It's a kit launch. The kit launch, yeah. It, Roy Keane is doing a kind of a walk around Old Trafford monologue about uh, so well, required to be a devil. Yeah. So the I'm de- really come devilish. on, come on, Arthur, give me a bit That's more. That's the gist of it. I mean, it's good, <laughs> and it's kind of it's 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 kind of some decent sort of patter, and it's just him walking around and nice shots of different stuff and everything and whatever about yeah. you know what it takes what do you get in return what do you want in return it's all very it's like, <laughs> you get you know and it's, 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 it's very much it's it's kind of a play on what Man United is as Roy Keane would express it mm. at a weekend mm. after watching Harry Maguire first question Arthur asked in the WhatsApp group is how much do you reckon he got for that I'm not just not just that I'm just wondering what he's pulling in across <laughs> the board between that and the overlap the sky stuff in to- general I'd say it's a fortune I'd say he's earning more than he, well maybe not more as a player he was on good decent money. seven figures I'd say though but he must be I mean because everything he's doing is kind of it's not low end stuff it's not like you're not, I don't know what the thing is for launching a kit, but like a lot of people will see that. Like as we're talking about, my night is a global brand. Mm. You're like you're putting yourself right back in the face of that, where I know he was anyway because we associate him with it so much with my United, and he's in the public face. But it isn't actually very often that he pairs himself with the club, and he's probably one of the only few people of those people in the public eye now who can. Because Neville can't quite do that. I mean, it would look a bit ridiculous anyway, but he can't quite do that mm. because of what he said about the club. Whereas Keane's always kind of... I did think to myself, if Ferguson was still a big influence at the club, would it have happened? It's hard to know. I'm inclined to think no. I think he's decoupled himself massively over the last 18 years in the club, which is why I was somewhat surprised when I saw the Keane kind of teaser that went up on Sunday. I was mm. like, oh, I'm actually very surprised he's doing this for the club. Like, Arthur's point is a fair one in that Adidas will take the profits from the sales on the jersey, so this could very well be commissioned by Adidas. But still, Keane would be aware that he's going into film for the day in mm. Old Trafford. It's going to be a Manchester United social media. He's very much attached to the club by virtue of doing this. Selling a Manchester United jersey, yeah. it's like it's not as if, like, you know, it's, it's attached. I, I don't know. I think it's the club that were behind this really like it's I I think it's really good <laughs> like that's the bad thing about it like it's 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 so funny like it's so it's not so funny it's so funny that Keane is good at this you know because he's playing the character himself but then that character is also like the devil who's literally saying like you know where do you sign you sign your life away he's like you signed before you were born obviously for people who don't know the red devil is the crest on the kit rather than the Manchester yeah, United yeah. thing so that's uh, why it's okay. a, where's the devil like or whatever so you have to be the devil to play for Manchester United or to wear the jersey or so on like there's some good stuff in it but Keane like even the little bit Arthur did there and I can't remember any other specifics it's just like he's kind of good at it you know it's like this is and I can't get over the fact that the Roy Keane the like he still play I feel like everything about him now that's the serious angry character is such a character I feel like he must be enjoying this or else he wouldn't be doing it I don't know Maybe, maybe it's not maybe he just wants the money I don't know but it seems to me there's just much more 
devilment, I suppose, for want of a better word, in him than you would have ever expected. You know? I thought the same, Mick, in the last two ads he's done, even the one where he dresses up as the clown and kind of gives the scowl back to Idris Elba in the Sky Sports ad. He clearly knew exactly how he's been set up as a character there and was happy enough to kind of lean into it and have a bit of fun. Even on this one, like the prawn sandwiches are laid out at one point when he's doing the walk around as well. Okay. So clearly he's incredibly self-aware about what he's doing and he has no problem, I think, having a bit of a laugh about the stereotypes and things that he would have said before as well. Do you think Roy Keane so the fact that he's the face of this right like he's bigger than any of the players some of the players are in this and all Casemiro has this kind of like thing where he's looking over Old Trafford that's kind of cool but you know this is about Roy there's an argument that he's bigger now not in Ireland or whatever but like from a Manchester United sense from a world football sense or from English anyway he's bigger now than he was when he was like captain of Manchester United to oh, yeah. titles 100% in England but that's isn't that just crazy? Like the Roy, the Roy Keane character, the thing that like in some ways he would have rallied so much against as a player, the kind of like the playing a role, you know, that wasn't about just like football and seriousness, yeah. has made him a bigger star than he ever was as a player when he was probably seen as this like really good like cog in a wheel, cog in a wheel, yeah, where all the stars were around him. Yeah, is that really? I mean, he won Footballer of the Year in two thousand and one. Wasn't it 2001, 2001? Unbelievably respected, but rarely I would think like a talking point. Whereas now... are you telling me like well, when he was getting bailed out like of jail after a big night from Ferguson uh, and no one was talking about him? I give you that, but like Beckham was such a star. Yeah. A lot of the homegrown players. I feel now like you can't talk, you can't listen to talk sport with half, out half an hour gone without like him being talked about in terms of what he said on punditry or does he get referenced there a lot all the time and like okay. like it's now and by the way I mean um, glass houses it's it's been a feature in Irish media forever but I think now whoever's being interviewed on English football podcasts or radio there is now a and a viewer Roy Keane story <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> Honestly, yeah. yeah, he's got to that like super next level. It's not that I didn't mean to say he wasn't a star at Manchester. United, I suppose it was just that he was never like the main event. No, when you looked at it from a celebrity point of view, yeah, he in football you know, in, ter- in footballing terms, he was people headline. thought he was the best player in yeah. the league and so on. But I don't think they were all. It was always about Beckham or Cantona or yeah. whoever. When whereas now it feels like in the post football world, Neville and all the boys are look are, are kind of like in keen shadow. Yeah, mm. you know, she's I don't know. They're everywhere. <laughs> they, yeah, but that's <laughs> I mean, yeah. he no. is everywhere. I, d- I do think he's um, mellowed, and that there's a there is a, yeah. no, a knowing aspect, and he's he, he's probably like less. I should be a manager. I should be a manager. I should be the best. I should. Be, I, I feel like that inner drive has maybe just. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe life's pretty good here. Mm-hmm. I'm just striking while there's money to be made. Like there probably is like a there's a, probably a finality to that one way or another whether it's self-imposed or yeah. imposed upon him but like why not like it's, it's kind of he has a lot of kids I know he's not short of money but you still have a lot of people it's not that many kids no but <laughs> right I remember listening you know the comedian Steve Harvey huh. I remember listening to an interview with him before yeah and he, I don't know like again I'm not saying I'm not saying he's like, like no, double figures <laughs> but it's like kids <laughs> but like that's but I, but I still mean he was still talking about it like he's had like all these different jobs going at once hmm. and he's like any one of these any one of those jobs would be fine for me but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna bring in as much money as I possibly can right, keep everyone else sorted and he's dead right and like I think it is nice that there's um, a rehabilitation officially between Keane and Manchester United that was a very uh, grim state of affairs where their greatest ever captain in many respects most successful captain post 05 
whether he felt it or not, there was just a, a complication as long as Ferguson was there, which is until 2013. And Ferguson was still very influential in the immediate years afterwards. I mean, he did his TV, TV work there, but I don't know how welcome he would have been made to feel. Oh, I'd say he would have felt I think he still got cheered. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, from yeah. the crowd. Yeah, yes. yeah. But I mean, who's he gone through for the ticket? At Ferguson's yeah, United, it's, it's, you know, in the in the box, no. in afterwards in the hospitality, behind the scenes, does he does he want to necessarily bump into Ferguson? I wouldn't think so. I'd say it was a, a strange decade. Yeah, for sure. Post oh five, and it's kind of nice now that actually, the club on social media and beyond, and with an ad like this, are kind of saying, bloody right, we love this guy. You know, it's interesting though, is even like because they are ultimately just so whether it is club driven rally that's driven doesn't really make a difference. Mm. They are so. Um, content hungry <laughs> oh, <laughs> even well. they're willing to say well this guy is the star yeah. and he's like got this link we got to get him in yeah. he's mm-hmm. got to be the guy for this Sir Alex we've been uh, talking and we think <laughs> <laughs> it's time to bring him back in from the cold before Saudi Arabia swoop it's just it's just it's amazing though it, it, like but even you were talking about his acting and stuff like I, I, I'm not I, and that's in your surprise but I wasn't surprised at all he's good at that he just has, there's something about him that's just his a timing. A very good timing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Would, have you watched the overlap shows over the last couple of weeks? Yeah. I've seen snippets. I'm going to watch the full programmes, mainly because of him, I think. Yeah. Bloody hell. He's a performer. Charisma just drips off. Unbelievable. Some of his, like, the first joke, then the second joke, and then the unexpected follow-up. Bang, <laughs> bang, bang. Everybody just falls around. <laughs> it's a different level. Uh, can I switch tank totally? Yeah. This came in last week. We meant to get to it. So, hi, I'm a Monaghan man living in the US. I was nine years old when I watched Ireland play England in their first ever World Cup game in Italy. And so I made sure to watch the first ever Women's World Cup match against Australia. I bought a VPN for it. I have found VPNs a nightmare to work. (laughs) Yeah, I've given up on mine. Anyway. Are they legal? Oh, you pay money for them. Well, but it's a legal thing. But what's what's the but point? It's legal it's to how you yeah, and I don't them. know if it's legal to change where you say you're living so that you can get uh, BBC you can get uh, stuff outside of rights deals. But it is, of course, <laughs> it's legal to have a VPN. It, hi- it hides your private internet use. No, but it hides your nationality. As in, so if you wanted to access the player, the BBC player, you could say, "I'm going to click a UK." It'll think you're op- mm. operating from the UK. But I don't think legal. that's strictly legal. <laughs> that can't be yeah. legal. Like, Look, a lot of what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people would use VPNs for work where they need to be on a private network in uh, order to log in for work. Yeah, we have a VPN yeah, here we so, VPN so that we can access Sorry, the I don't know network. what a VPN is. Me neither. Yeah. If somebody wants to use a VPN and change the country they're from and go to a different Netflix, well then that's so going to be a different it. thing. That's your joy. I'm not going to question them. But yeah. Anyway, I'll push on. This guy. This guy. Cheater. Steven. Wants a bit of RTE player. He bought a VPN for it so I could watch the game on RTE. Oh, is, the, is that legal? The jig is up. Leave him alone. He wants You're, to, he wants all to be All the expats home. are the reason the players crashing all the time. Also the reason yeah. we have a slight tangent during 99% of our emails. <laughs> we wish them well. Uh, he puts in brackets, needless to say I switched to ITV after a few minutes but I did go back to RTE for the second half. But this was our this sound was the, issues. This Audio crazy game. sound issues in the first half, yeah. I got up at 4.30 to watch the team play. It was great and I think they're doing the country proud. Just before the game started I posted on my closest friend's WhatsApp group Come on Ireland The first response was Question mark So I had to explain The second response was Are there any good looking players Which I left hanging out there With no response What is the story in Ireland with this There appears to be a complete lack of Giving an SH1T Which I'm genuinely surprised with Knowing Ireland's relationship with sport 
is they're on that stage now socially and culturally and economically that even if the men's team qualified there would be a subdued excitement about qualifying for a major tournament thanks Stephen I find that amazing I have to say that you write and come on Ireland the first response was a question mark I think like in fairness even if you had no interest in watching the Women's World Cup for your own reasons I don't know how you won't know it's on like you're actually just Mm. oblivious to the news cycle there I, I find that a touch surprising like that at 11am on that first Thursday mm. when he texted his mates going come on Ireland that they were like what like the hockey yeah yeah. if you're a sports fan I find it hard to believe you'd be unaware I need the screen grab at that Stephen I don't, I don't believe like, that I, I think what we it's need to figure funny. out here is if I you're don't. not a sports fan because there's no way you didn't know the Ireland men's team were playing at a World Cup in 90 or 94 uh, you know but Maybe that is possible. Maybe that is possible. And it could be time difference, a few other things if you're not. But he, I'm, presuming his, I'm presuming his mates group are at home. They're not all expats. Oh, no, I didn't say they were, but if, are they into sport? I don't know if that's a given. You know? Uh, yeah, fair enough. I, I'd be sp- Whatever about I'm not bothered watching it, but I'm surprised no one, they didn't know it was on. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, okay. Um, what did you think the interest levels were in general terms? It's hard to know. I don't like. I didn't get figures. I know RT released that the player numbers were good, Stephen. Um, <laughs> yeah, and everyone's at work. They were. It's a bad. Yeah, it's a bad time. It's a bad yeah. tournament to be comparing figures with. Because it's a very good point. Yeah, it, all the games were. I'm pretty sure all the games were weekdays, and all the all the games were mornings. So, True. I thought the interest was big, but I I think there's a long way to go. Like I really do. I think that I don't think a nation stops in no. the way it is with the men's. Now, I actually am interested in Stephen's point as to whether it would ever be like this again, even with the men's game. Yeah, he says. I so th- is is Ireland at a stage now, socially, culturally, and economically, that even if the men's team qualified again, there'd be that more subdued excitement. I think versus what we had previously, I think there's something in that, you know. I think we might be past the nation holds its breath. I do. I do. I think we might be. We're also, it's culturally and economically, whatever, but I also feel like we're so exposed to big moments and to big sport and to different things that maybe we, you know, it becomes a little bit more... What's next? A little bit more blasé about it. Yeah, exactly. There's no more the first time ever. There's no more this is the biggest thing in the world because we all the biggest thing in the world happens every two weeks. If they got to knock out if if the men's team got to knockout stages oh I'm not saying it wouldn't be bigger than it was at the women's I just don't know if it would ever be Italian 90 again it'd be absolutely it would 100% be bigger than the women's it'd be massive I'm just wondering how would it compare to Italian 90 say yeah like what would you say why's against Sweden a bit crazy and Robbie Brady when we think Uh, see uh, funny I I was there in in the guise of Con Hoolan so I don't have a sense of what here was like in 16 did like people lose their minds with the Brady goal I think yeah but like um, in terms of were the streets dead could I have walked down O'Connell Street yeah I, I was in yeah. town for the France game and like Dame Lane and it was a good bus it was really good there was a yeah. sense of a day Cause I, there I wasn't a sense of town closing down there wasn't mm. I wouldn't say that was just a big day don't get me wrong like again I don't mean to be completely minimalising like you would know there was something happening right but I don't think it was like it wasn't the sense of like you're gonna go and every single person on both sides of the yeah. uh, footpath are going to be uh, fans celebrating and the cars are going to go down they're all going to be beeping yeah. and arses out the window and stuff like that you know I didn't I don't think that would I just don't think that will ever happen again you know things probably have to fall into place for that though don't they I mean in terms yeah. of where I wasn't there I don't know I'm not going to speak to it but you get the sense that from Italian 90 obviously it's coming in a different kind of Ireland oh um, big time big time and I presume that could shift and think I don't think that's a linear thing um, 
But even, I, I wonder even, I was kind of thinking there, I wonder even what the population of Ireland was in 90. Like, it would have been still sub, yeah, well sub four. So, like, what are we now, five plus? Mm. Yeah. Which is a an enormous shift, I suppose, and just, like, you're just not going to have what kind of, it, it's, it's just, like, the literal things of it are just, there's a small, there's a larger number of people now who are, as it, like, you're not going to get as many people involved. Like, life goes on beyond mm. that. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I, I still think... How would you compare, what's your memory of 2016, the men's at the Euros versus the women's at the World Cup? I just think the men's at the Euros is a bigger story. That's like, I, and it's not, yeah, it, yeah, I just sure. think that gets more, it'll, it'll get more interest. There's more, it, people I feel as a, na, as a, just are naturally more interested in other teams as well. Yes. In the sort of way that we they just, know the players, you know, yeah, know yeah. we know like a player almost from every team at least. Yeah. And it yeah. just allows it to be more of an you 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 can go through the whole thing without missing a game like in the best one in the world like even this now I I I particularly take interest now in the World Cup now when the knockout games it doesn't really matter to me who's playing because it's just knockout it's football's enough, great yeah, yeah. But there's not I don't have any context for during a lot of those group games where it's like I don't know any of these players yeah. on either team and you don't even you kind of draw some assumptions sometimes about like oh whatever like. France must be very good. France, France are good. France, won, you know, I think they won today. But like you, you immediately draw a comparison to the men's team, and then it, so you really have no footing. That's not, and that's not fair. You've no footing really for the reality of what's going on. Yeah. A lot of the time, I don't. I don't, and that's you know, that's yeah. But so, I, but Stephen's talking about his email. You know, sort of, it tallies, but it makes sense that it's still very much. It's early days in its infancy. You Absolutely, know? It's early days. I feel that uh, personally, right. The women's football team for me has been a thing, like something that I I, I remember when RT showed that Australia game and we beat them in Tally. in Tala, yeah. and I remember thinking I've seen this team a few times now. I'm starting to get to know the yes, players. Yeah. I think I'd been to maybe the previous game. I think they played. She got to see this is the thing I can't even remember. I think it was Norway, right? But I, I don't even remember. It was almost a non-event to me. It was just a, it's Finland, so, probably. Isn't it? I'm not sure. Uh, no, I don't think so. And uh, played Australia, and it was like I kind of know. I know who's good. I know who's. Good. And then you get to know the team, and I've seen every game they've played since. And for me, that was this World Cup was a big deal. Then you know, so like it, you're on a bit of a journey with them. But you just have to. I I just think that we have to have a bit of patience with these things. I think mm. they it should be treated as a big deal because it is a big deal. It's a really incredible achievement that they've got there. And for those of us who've been watching for a little while or, or who've been paying attention to this team, there's lots of great stories in there. There's lots to get like hooked on and to get into. But for a lot of people, they've grown up always supporting the men's team. They always know the depth. They always know, they know the men's club game. They know who's coming through, who's you not. Know, do you know you just You don't have that exposure all your life and you can't just say to someone, you're supposed to watch this team now. No, this true. Is, you know, and this is, who, this is, you know, this is your duty. Be a big fan. Yeah, yeah. People will watch it, they'll want them to win, but they'll never feel that same emotion. But, not this, not yet. Not yet. And you can't make it like some kind of moral, time. moral test, you know. I think a Euros. character. I think it, it, two years, a, a Euros yeah. in two year time in a nice favourable time zone would be Enormous. But the time would be a big jump, wouldn't it? Yeah. Because if this World Cup would lay that groundwork. And I think yeah. when it's a smaller tournament and it's tighter and the times were better shaped, I think you'd have. Because uh, like, I distinctly recall watching so much of that World Cup in 2019 that was in France, I think. Yeah. yeah. Way more Me of too. it because yeah. it was just kind of. No, it was on at the right time. It was just kind of you're used to it. Funny on the Irish men's team, I do find. I, I have I found over the last couple of years there was a real sense of. 
Oh yeah, Josh Cullen. I haven't seen him in six months. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I think the country's had a bit of a getting to know this Irish men's team because they won't watch 80 to 90% of the players playing at club level. They'd pitch up then at international level and be like, why oh, yeah, the team the last time? I'm telling you, you're, you're casual, but mm. typically like Irish oh, men's Most people aren't seeing, football. Na- aren't seeing Nathan Collins uh, all week. Nathan Collins, this kind of stuff. I mean, like, Collins obviously playing in the Premier League. You'd, you'd see him now match of the day and clock him. But a whole bunch of them you weren't. I think there's been a... Like there was a bit in Kenny's first year, year and a half, especially when he used a lot of players. I think there was a real sense in my mates' WhatsApp groups of, who's your man? Yeah. Where's he playing? Rotherham? But like fast forward <laughs> fast forward, forward two years. And it's like, at oh, Luton. Premier League, maybe. Fast, it's a like, weird way of sending a WhatsApp. Yeah, yeah. But, but now it's like, oh, geez, like Benny's injured. Mm. Yeah, yeah. From Rotherham yeah. to, oh, man, like Benny's injured. So uh, it's, it's weird just we're saying that it, I've no real point in relation to the women's team. But actually, I, I do think the men's team has had that journey with the Irish public over the last two years because a whole bunch of them we never see and Stephen Kenny introduced them and we only saw them every three, four months. The bit of success makes a huge difference as well, Joe. Well, you look at the England team at the moment where they won the Euros and people probably became very familiar with their story and the players who played and those who were injured going into it. And when you watch the English coverage, it just feels almost different now. It's familiar. The expectation, it's familiar. It's this team should go and do well. We know what they've done previously. There's kind of a story behind how they've got to this point. And I was watching the ITV coverage, or sorry, BBC coverage the other day when they were playing against Nigeria. And it was very much that sense that they were covering it almost like the men's team if that yeah. makes sense and I think that bit of success is probably required to bring your casual viewer on board and the familiarity the backstory like yeah. the, the, it's not been a great situation but the Katie McCabe Vera Pau spat you know that's kind of juicy next time Katie McCabe does a press conference yeah. people mm. will be interested will Katie McCabe still be the Ireland captain when the next manager arrives I guarantee it four years ago when she was given the captaincy no one was like oh that's an interesting story Yeah. Mm. would anyone here in the room know top of their head when Katie McCabe became Ireland captain no whereas now I think last couple of years everyone's been on the journey mm. now like who's Ireland who's Ireland Colin Bell by the way oh, was it? yeah okay but, re- but regardless <laughs> who, <laughs> well, the, well. <laughs> who, the, who the Ireland captain is for the next cycle is of national interest all of a sudden so yes. you need backstory for all of these players you know? and it needs time and like you would say like England obviously had a lot of success by winning the Euro so it's a little bit different but at the same time it feels like it's just, they've been on the journey longer yeah. and look at the coverage at the moment in England like I mean it is wall to wall that's not tokenism they're not doing that if there isn't an interest in no. it do you know and it's lionesses 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 and there's handhold handhold household names and like Sky Sports News last night or whatever it was just like all yellow all all England yeah you know when they're talking about the back pages about transfers no it's true and And, and the real culmination of that journey the arrival of that journey is then the US coverage where they just hate their team yeah, oh, interesting. Like I hate this team. But that's the full yeah. on, like the you know, that, they're, they're the big team almost yeah. in America, and now it's like you know they didn't win the World Cup, so therefore they're villains. Yeah, and Donald Trump has called them out, which I mentioned for the second time on the show tonight. Like you know, but that is again, that's where, that's where equality truly lies. Yeah, it lies in misery. But <laughs> but a lot of Americans took so much enjoyment from Megan Rapinoe, particularly being the player that missed the penalty. That's because a she's almost enough thing. It is with but, but America, yeah. But you're right, you are. It, there was again, it's so much more mainstream. She's a figure big enough yeah. to hate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very quick one in four minutes. Hi lads, long time first time. Uh, curious to hear what extent your sports coverage is influenced or not by other media outlets. Two examples. One. Would you avoid getting guests on the show if you know they're going to be appearing in other media outlets the same week? For example, Big Rugby Week, you might hear Rory O'Connor and OTB setting captains in the left wing. And then two, 
Would you avoid listening to other media for fear it might influence how you handle a story or opinion of a game? For example, British Open last weekend, would Joe avoid listening to No Lane Up on a Monday for fear he might end up repeating some of their takes or opinions either on OTB or in Golf Weekly? Love this lot. Keep up the great work, Neil. Very interesting email. And that's someone who's quite uh, observant of what's mm-hmm. uh, going on. Uh, yes, uh, to both, I suppose. The guest thing uh, it might depend on the guest. I don't think we do... You back yourself tend to avoid it. You had a go at one person in here uh, a couple of weeks ago or well about (laughs) three or four months ago you said you were on something today I can't even remember what it was. Oh I think I jokingly said it to Rory. Jerry. Jerry. Yeah. Jerry went was it not supposed to? (laughs) I was like Jerry I don't care do what you want to do. So no I I don't really that doesn't overly perturb me. I think the only time less like Jerry or Rory to extend the Ruby analogy I suppose like you it kills you if you've got a big interview with uh, oh top head um, Liam Hayes if Liam Hayes had done five podcasts that day because he happened to be in town he'd be a bit like oh crap that sort yeah. of, <laughs> that, that, that waters it down takes away the special yeah. feeling to it yeah. and as for listening to the other stuff I mean that is the great dilemma in my life because absolutely at times and not meaning to you find if you've just listened to something and it's fresh in your head you can end up going down a certain track I, I, I tend to still listen because I like to be aware of as much as possible and I will often like on the football conversation later with Jonathan and Philippe I will reference the overlap several times because it's fresh and I listen to it the upside was it informed me of certain good topics for conversation and I, the one rule I'd have though I feel pundits shouldn't I think in me asking questions and knowing that like there's been a lot of talk about Phil Foden this mm-hmm. season because it was talked about in the overlap I can ask the Phil Foden question but I think if you're a pundit and you're listening to what all the others are saying, you just can't but be influenced. And I think you're kind of, you're just phoning it in then in, in a well-meaning way, perhaps. But mm. I don't really, you just, I, I love a pundit that, like Andy Dunn. You can just tell Andy's not listening to anyone else because <laughs> he's just saying things that are off the wall, his own thoughts. Brilliant. He's, he's so not with consensus and people love him for it. The worst thing he could do is start listening to everything. Mm. Yeah, you can tell his notes are his own. Yeah. He watches rugby in a certain way and that gives a different perspective, yeah. If you sit in a match with Andy, like he calls things you just don't really see. Yeah. Would you, other would you be it? listening to loads before you do something or would you avoid everything? Um, well, I've been very specific on the hurling pod, for example. I try not to listen to the other hurling podcasts beforehand purely because, again, you'll hear different stories or maybe an idea and someone will then turn around and say, oh, how come you guys did this? I heard this on X other podcast. Right. So I try and come at it fresh and generally I try not to watch the Sunday game punditry. I'll tend to watch the highlights on it and then not watch the punditry afterwards all right and I actually enjoyed when we did a few podcasts this year before the Sunday game came out because mm-hmm. genuinely then it was our reaction to it as opposed to Fresh here's what a pundit yeah. said on the Sunday game and we're regurgitating what they spoke about yeah I listened to them afterwards because again a bit like you I like to kind of hear what's been Go said ahead. elsewhere and people's I different perspectives and like sometimes it is fine to say Donalogue said this what do you think sure because it, it adds more currency than Joe Malloy or Will O'Callaghan think this what do you think mm. it's a double edged sword though for sure I completely understand what you're saying though I've found myself on like Monday news rounds or whatever you know when there's so much you've consumed so much over the weekend you've watched a lot and you find yourself kind of giving an opinion and it's only 10 seconds in you realise so and so said this yeah. mm. and I didn't even realise that that's why I have that thought but I've it, it, I've watched the game be analysed and therefore it's influence my opinion on it you know so I, I don't know I, I don't have as big an issue as you two would on it but my, my thing would be there's certain like football in particular podcasts that I enjoy and I tend not to listen to them until Monday night 
So I'd like try and get like just true Monday show anyway. And then, right, I'll, I'll take in them more for enjoyment than for work. I feel like for work, it's like papers and actually watching the games. Yeah, I, I find possible. And a Monday in particular, because you just can't watch the 40 hours of sports you need to. I will often cheat by using highlights, punditry, podcasts, and like I'm, I'm basically just attached to headphones for mm. 20 hours. I don't think that's even cheating, Joe. That's actual research. research yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to say cheating. What's it? <laughs> it feels like cheating to not spend. I'm like, I just can't watch that. Notes. I can't watch that URC game on this Saturday night again. I'm getting the eyebrows from Mick. I got to wrap up. We're done. You're allowed to say time. We just make that a thing where you just say time. No, but I, uh, I just, <laughs> uh, I looked at Pete. Time. Get you through the window and thought we must be out of time. Pete, time. Uh, we're out of time. <laughs> a slight tangent at offtheball.com thank you to Arthur to Mick and to Will there's a chance we're back next week we'll see who knows it would be a three in a row the Koi Gig part you know for a first World Cup I think they've done excellently but then you think of how close they were and what if what if this which is a great sign subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now <laughs>